I think the biggest uh, issue that I face is, is that I lacked faith at the beginning. And, um, and the, the thing is really about trusting yourself and, and trusting your guts because you don't know why, but intuitively, you know what is good for you as you know what is good for your child in the same way you know what is good for your company. So you have first to listen to yourself. Part one of my conversation with Audrey Bergenthal, the founder and CEO of Vivica, she discussed the inspiration behind the biomimetic robot mannequin, a mannequin that can transform its shape to reproduce a wide range of body types to help clothing designers. In this second part of our conversation, Audrey talks about some of the challenges she's overcome in starting her company, and she offers a glimpse of where she thinks the world of retail is headed in the future. Audrey, to continue our conversation, this has been a, quite a journey, the past nine years. A lot of R&D, you're excited for now expansion and growth, and then, yay, challenges with COVID-19 and having to adjust and keep innovating. Tell me, uh, how, what's, let's, let's look in the past nine, uh, eight years first, before we get to today's challenges. What's one difficulty, as a technology leader, as, as, a, uh, as a, a fascinating one who's who taken it from, from concept idea to now delivery to products, um, What's something that you can share with another leader that you were uh, able to overcome, a challenge you were able to overcome that they could learn from? The biggest challenge, well, is, um, is to find the right people that will help you um, uh, uh, make your idea concrete and, and, and become something real. And, uh, and you need to find as passionate people as you are. And, um, and that was at first, uh, quite a challenge, but hopefully I met a, a, a wonderful core team. And then the the other big challenge is, of course, for every startup is to have access at the proper time to to enough and sufficient fundings, um, because you can have the greatest idea with no petrol to fuel in, then yet there will be no growth. And, and in France and Europe. Um, uh, we, have, we are seen as an industrial um, player and it's hard to find a uh, convention in Europe when, when you are an industrial player. But now with the COVID crisis, they have understood that you cannot kill the industry. You just really very need it. And, uh, and you, it's so dangerous to be, um, to be dependent on China and other powerful uh, countries, uh, and and I, I think it may be the same in the U.S. But now Europe is re is very convinced that we need to reindustrialize and to master our own um, process uh, locally, and and I hope then we will have uh, the opportunity to be as funded as pure digital player startups. That journey that you've been on of, of finding the right team, then being able to find the right funds and depending on your classification, the difficulties there and how that might change going future, going uh, into the future. Can you share any tactical advice of, of what you did that worked either for finding good team members to, to, to begin it or to find funding, a tactic that you're like, oh yeah, this, this worked for us. Um, I think the main thing, but, maybe you are more used to it in the US because you are, you are trained to, to have faith in yourself. Um, we, are, we have a more humble and modest approach, uh, I mean in France, and, 
And I think the biggest uh, issue that I face is, is that I lacked faith at the beginning. And, um, and the, the thing is really about trusting yourself and, and trusting your guts because you don't know why, but intuitively you know what is good for you as you know what is good for your child in the same way you know what is good for your company so you have first to listen to yourself but at the same time you have also to be kind of of uh, schizophrenic and and be able also to listen to people's criticism and and make a, a compromise because you are not always right uh, they can be right and and sometimes even when it hurts and you don't want to hear it you need to hear it and make the change you don't want to do now moving forward, you moved from R and D to you went to to um, uh, CES and and you were able to get a, a lot of interest from there. Can you share any tactical advice from that of being able to get awareness out there in the marketplace and get your first couple clients? Because there's a lot of entrepreneurs that they got the idea and they they're ready to to push, but how do I actually get my first customer, <laughs> my first client? Um. I think you have to be um, you have to be demanding and 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 you have to dare to 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 target immediately uh, major brands, um, because major brands are major because they are innovative. So you have to go big at start. Uh, don't think that it's better to start with a small and an anonymous client. No, go big at start. Go big or go home, as they say. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And every time, if I should uh, sum up my uh, my entrepreneur journey, would be go big or go home. It's every time what we want uh, want to do. Wow, and that ties back to you have to have that confidence and and in yourself of saying no. I I know this product will work, so I'm going to go all the way out and and tell the world. <laughs> Yes, we were very frightened the first time we delivered Chanel because Chanel is our first customer and we were it was our first production and we we had shaking hands and 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 we were sweating and like oh my god is it going to work and and it was terrible but at the same time it was the best thing we have ever done everybody said no no don't choose Chanel at start don't choose Chanel they are too big but it's the best thing we've done because immediately we, we, we had a, a reputation and, uh, and, and people were impressed, even though, of course, I start, we had problem and we had to fix them, but still we were fixing problem at Chanel. Obviously with the current uh, pandemic and the situation, the new, the new normal that comes from this, what do you see the hurdles that you're going to need to overcome now going forward? First, we need we need to to find um, additional uh, additional financial support um, to be to remain stable and uh, able to follow the rhythm of brands because we don't know in how much time they will recover and when they will or be able to speed up again and. Um, and what we need to do in the meantime is to build a proper COVID crisis offer that we fit in their budget because it's the only way for us to survive. So we need to be very reactive and responsive and, uh, and try to find a way to, to work with them anyway. Um, and um, it's the only thing I, I can see. It, it, I've seen a lot of, of, of technology companies where, where, and overall companies have to figure out how do I weather this, this storm in an essence of being able to get over the hump 
but also be able to keep providing value. So you stay top of mind and, and can build the base, not ideally the revenue sources that you'd originally desired, but ideally you can come out stronger at the, at the end of this. Um, what do you look for for, for uh, innovation and, and support and motivation as a, as a business leader? Are there any books that you've read or podcasts that you listen to or, or places you go to for, for insight? Um, at first, to, to build my motivation and my strengths, I read books about, um, about mentors uh, and trainers of Olympic players. Uh, I, I read In Search of Excellence or books like that. Um, the way that uh, US uh, sport players are uh, trained and mentally prepared to, to face hurdles. That was the best book I ever read. Um, I read tons of them. Um, because I think be, trying to build a successful company is like a long race, uh, a long run, uh, but still you have to go fast. So it's, it's really challenging. Um, and, and we have to, to, to have really a strong mindset and, and to be strong mentally. And I could only find um, support in this kind of, of books. And then I read traditional books and, and studies from the Harvard Business Reviews to, to any kind of publication about smart business model in the digital world and everything that I, I, I could read uh, to, 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 to nurture my, my, my vision and my operation plan and to, to make my own mixture and, and apply it to, to my company. What kind of technology innovations do you predict that we will see in the near term and in the long term overall across industries. What innovations do you see in the near term? So next year or so and long term, like the next 10 years. Um, in a very near term, I think we will see, um, we will see uh, more technology about uh, enriching the retail experience and, and helping to, to have more uh, sensation about what what is uh, what can be the customer journey when it comes to online purchase, uh, we will see uh, new technology that will maybe help you have the sensation of, of the material, uh, haptic technology that will uh, give you the insight of how the the, the material would uh, would would feel. Uh, that maybe you could touch your phone and you would have the sensation of the of the fabric. Uh, you could have also technology that will uh, also, um, uh, I really do believe in holograms and uh, maybe we could expect uh, uh, popping from your phone uh, a an, an hologram helping you visualize how you look like uh, while uh, trying on this garment on Amazon. And, um, and maybe have some, and, and of course we will have some drone delivery at home. Uh, I, <laughs> And uh, in the next 10 years, I think we will have less screen. Uh, I think that people will be fed up of, uh, of, having, uh, of being uh, merged in screen. And, and, uh, and I think that uh, we'll have um, not like a, a step back, but in a way, um, customers uh, will, be, uh, will be willing to have um, more multi-sensorial experiments. 
So it means that uh, what I just previously described about a haptic experience, hologram, uh, sound, exper sound immersive experiment, and so on, I think we will be blended in a more uh, fully technological world, but it won't be only on screen. It will be with, um, I don't know, hologram or, or uh, with uh, IoT objects that will, um, I don't know, maybe have an automatic process that will help you uh, be discharged of a repetitive tasks or may, may even be able to anticipate. I, uh, I've seen that on the CS that your fridge can uh, already edit your list of missing products that you need to buy. <laughs> and I think this, this, maybe you have a baby and they will say, they will indicate you that your baby has grown, your children has grown and you need to buy new clothes and they will indicate new clothes that fit you. They, you will have a very uh, rapid selection and then it will be ordered and delivered instantly at home. That concludes the audio version of this episode. To see the original and more, visit our Uptech Report YouTube channel. If you know a tech company we should interview, you can nominate them at uptechreport.com. Or if you just prefer to listen, make sure you're subscribed to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app.